Hey everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of Morgan Webster's Wrestling Friends. I'm getting pretty good at this. This is the uh, second week on the trot in 2019 that I've released a podcast where I'm feeling pretty smug about myself, and I'm already trying to hatch a plan on uh, what and who I can get on next week. I might go spend a day in London next week and uh, maybe get two or three. I'm going to try to correspond and get that sorted. But yep, I've got another episode this week, and... I'm really, really excited about it. Of course, if uh, if you're new to this podcast and you're probably wondering who this voice is, this uh, lovely Welsh accent is the voice of the undisputed king of the mods, the mod father of professional wrestling, or uh, I guess the pod father, if you currently listen to me on the podcast, Flash Morgan Webster, or more important than that, for the next 45 minutes to the hour, to the hour and a half, however long this conversation with the wonderful Jetta. It's a great conversation with Jetta this week. Goes, I will be your host, or as I like to see it, facilitator for all these chats, discussions, gatherings. You know me, I absolutely love that word, gatherings, with your wrestling favourites, or as I like to call them, my wrestling friends. If you're an avid listener of the podcast, you'll know that this podcast comes to you free of charge most weeks, and I'm able to do that in part thanks to our wonderful sponsors, which are Pins and Knuckles Merch. Dot com. If you're a wrestler looking for a place to print, as it ever, DTG or screen printing or embroidery or a million of other stuff or a band or anything like that, because they do drum skins, then Pins and Knuckles merch are your guys to go. Um, or I guess if you're looking for stag do t-shirts, anything, and the best part about them is that uh, if you go to them with a price of somebody else, they will match that price, or even if they can, they will try to beat it, and uh, they have a seven-day turnaround, so you know, you might have a place that's really good, but they take three to four weeks to get something done, go to Pins and Knuckles Merch, tell them the price, they'll match it, and then you get seven days turnaround, and they're absolutely brilliant, so definitely go check out PinsandKnucklesMerch.com, and they do help me keep this podcast absolutely free, so that's another great reason to uh, go support them, because they support me, and uh, you love listening to the podcast, so if you've got any of your merch needs, definitely go check out PinsandKnucklesMerch.com, they also have designers that are on tap as well, so I'm currently getting a, a t-shirt done by one of the designers, so when that goes out, you'll know how good they are, so definitely go check out PinsandKnucklesMerch.com. Com. Um, of course, if you do love this of the podcast, please be sure to subscribe, uh, tweet it out, you know, rate, subscribe, review, do all our stuff on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, or wherever, wherever you get your podcast from, please be sure to do that. Tell a friend, that's the best way to do it. Maybe you work with somebody who, who loves wrestling or somebody who just watches NXT UK but don't really know the British wrestling scene. Maybe they've just discovered Walter and they're like, who, who's Walter? I don't really know the British wrestling scene. I've done a podcast with Walter. Send them my way. Go check out the podcast with Ring Camp. Has Walter on there. Maybe they're a big fan of NXT UK and they love Tyler. Um, I've done a podcast with Tyler. Maybe they love Tony. I've done a podcast with Tony. Definitely go back and check out all the archives for all those podcasts. Of course, I will be having them back on at some point in the future. But why not go back and listen to some old podcasts? If you're new, tell your friends. Uh, if they just like British wrestling, they just get into it. They've just started going to Progress. They've just started going to Southside. They've just started going to Attack. And there's people showing up. They don't know who they are. Then, again, send them my way. Say, listen to this podcast. You can search your names. You can search on iTunes for your favourites. And nine or ten times, I've done an episode with them. We're in the 90s now, so there's uh, very few people I've done a podcast with. So definitely be sure to rate, subscribe, review, and tell a friend. And uh, if you listen to this podcast today and you love it, be sure to uh, let me know on social media. I'm at Flash underscore Morgan on the Twitter. 
I'm at Flash Morgan Webster on the Instagram. I'm Facebook.com forward slash Flash Morgan Webster on Facebook. And if you do want to book me up for any upcoming seminars or maybe you want to uh, advertise on the Wrestling First podcast, all that can be done at the email, which is flashmorganatlive.co.uk. So uh, this week I am sitting down with Jed. I've literally, I'm literally in my car outside my house because uh, the acoustics are pretty good in here. Um, I've literally just drove back from Coventry where I had a wonderful sit-down conversation with Jetta. She's so charismatic. She's so wonderful. I could have, and I joke about it halfway through, I could have put the recorder on and left the room. Uh, she hits a lot of the points that I want to hit. I go in there now with... Uh, with bullet points that I want to hit, I want to hit this, I want to do that, and again, a remark halfway through the episode, that as I'm about to segue to another thing, she already hits that mark. I'm going to talk about this thing, she already hits it. Um, I really wasn't needed, my facilitating capabilities uh, weren't needed at all during this, um, and there's points as well that I totally glaze over and forget, and near the end, she uh, all the Kate Nash stuff, she brings it back, and we get to talk about that as well. So she's somebody who's very secure in... Uh, what she's brought to the scene, what she's done, and she's very knowledgeable as well. And I think she's somebody that, uh, especially when you think about women's wrestling in Britain now and how good it's got, she's somebody that really needs to be spoken about. And I was really, really glad that I got to sit down and uh, chat to her and have a full retrospect of her career. Why she left? Because she did leave for a good six years when the rise of British wrestling was happening, even though she did lay those foundations. And I then talk about how and why she came back and what's next. It really is a full a full retrospect of her career and as I said she's wonderfully charismatic and I wasn't really needed but I was glad I got to sit down and have a have a chat with her as well uh, I guess my week in review um, I was out in Phoenix for Royal Rumble weekend it was an absolutely fantastic weekend apart from the fact that myself James Drake Zach Gibson and Tony Storm got delayed for 14 hours in Manchester airport I'm going to put it out there British Airways were absolutely diabolical um, there was a moment where we were in a queue for th- nearly three hours with no information, with no water, nothing, just stuck in a queue waiting to figure out whether we were going to uh, get our flight, whether we were being put on another flight, whether it had been cancelled, what they were doing, and we were given no information. Um, Manchester Airport, British Airways, feel free people out there to tweet them and tell them the disgusting, the disgusting treatment that we had up in Manchester it really was diabolical and I will be uh, I will definitely be doing the British thing and writing an email and Gibson said the same and so did Drake and Storm really was awful but we got out to Phoenix and once we got out to Phoenix it was an absolute joy I got to wrestle James Drake on uh, Access so that was a wonderful match I've only ever wrestled James one on one once and I was at Progress it was great to go back and do that again this time as part of the WWE uh, I then got to do some signings and meet some wonderful fans, which is always is a pleasure. Some people knew who I was, some people didn't know who I was. Uh, some people tweeted afterwards saying that they've gone and checked out my stuff and they've actually loving it. So it's great that uh, it's not only for fans of NXT UK to come and meet us; it's also so for fans who are fans of the WWE product who don't watch NXT and NXT UK to be introduced to new people and then for them to go off and discover more about them. So I was really, really happy about that. I got to sit in and watch TakeOver, which was great as well. Absolutely fantastic, top to bottom. And then, of course, we got to watch the Royal Rumble show and I was there as well to watch one of my good friends, Pete Dunn, make his Royal Rumble debut. So, uh, yeah, I was sat next to uh, Trent and Tyler and Mark and we all got to just lap it in and completely love and enjoy and mark out for uh, one of our good friends making his Royal Rumble debut, and then I flew back, so I spent 48 hours in Phoenix 
but for what it was absolutely great great experience love doing those access events love meeting the new fans and it's always a pleasure to go somewhere new and pick up a magnet which I've already said as well and I pick up a magnet for the girlfriend Jordan who uh, who does love me picking up those those magnets for her when I go away she has to put up a lot with me being away a lot so uh, a little something I always get her is a little magnet which she gets to put on the fridge which she does love and wrapping every time I'm back home but uh, yeah great weekend I think that really does some of my weekends. Uh, go give British Airways some abuse. Uh, make sure that you check out NXT UK from last night where Walter debuted. Go make sure you check out NXT UK. In the upcoming weeks, me and Mark have a brilliant match with uh, the coffees from the Sunday at Access Tapings. And yeah, I, I guess all was left to say is sit back, relax and enjoy what really is an absolute cracking episode with Jetta. Enjoy, people. Cheers, they're so good. And literally, they go on tangents while well. this is the Kevin Smith one. Mm, There's three hours of point. them talking about absolutely yeah. nothing. But it's, it's, I don't know, it's just interesting, isn't it? Especially on long car journeys, it feels like you've yeah, got somebody yeah, in the yeah. car with you talking. Yeah. And I didn't know until I started this podcast, like some people come up to me and said like, especially if they're in uni and they, on some nights or whatever, maybe they, their friends go out and they don't want to go out and yeah. they're in their uni house on their own. They said that they'll put a podcast on when they're eating their food because it makes it feel like there's somebody in the house with yeah, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I never ever... Because I, I don't have any use for that. I never thought about that until, yeah. until you heard that or whatever. It's true, though. Like, I saw... What was it I saw the other day? I saw, like, a, a meme where it's, like, somebody sat next to a poster of a load of people talking. It's, like, what you feel like when you're listening to a podcast. Oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> so it is like that. I'm like that because at work, I, I have to do a lot of reports and stuff. And sometimes I'll just listen to it just as it's, like, background noise, isn't it? Well, I used to put on, when I was doing stuff, I used to put pay-per-views on sometimes. If there was a match that I really wanted to watch, or if I could do reactions, it'd probably grab my interest or whatever. But I used to just put it on, mm-hmm. like, especially if I like, smacked on a Raw or something like that. Be uh, H. Wells. Yeah, that, that might happen. That's fine. No. <laughs> the other one will come in a minute. He's really names? loud. This princess, and Tibby is the boy. He is very timid, so he might not come in, but if he does, he's very loud. So two black cats. Yeah. How old are they? Uh, eight, brother and sister. Do they get along? Yeah, they're like best mates. Oh, they love okay. each other. Yeah, they can't be said. They don't go outside because they're, they can't be separated. It's really weird. Well, it's cute, really, but it's strange for cats. Like, if you shut that door, he can be upstairs and she can be down here. But as long as they know they can get to each other, they're fine. But if you shut a door, they go mad. Because they know. Yeah, so if you, if you let them out, she would. I think she'd go off, whereas he'd be one of those cats that just goes in the garden. I think they'd get distressed, so... Yeah, I'd just stay in the house. Um, oh, he loves me. Is it she? she yeah, that's me. a she. That's the she. They literally look identical, but one Beautiful. of them's a lot bigger. Beautiful. Uh, I, I hear something once, and it was like, the best way to become friends with cats is just completely ignore them. Yeah. Because if you try to give them fuss, they don't like it. Whereas mm. if you ignore them... They're straight over like... They're just like, what, what? Give, give me attention. <laughs> yeah. Give me attention. Yeah. Um, but I'm joining you today, along with Princess, and what was the one? Did you say Tibby? Tibby, he's upstairs. Tibby. Hiding. you today by, uh, by Jetta. Hello. <laughs> this, again, you're... I think I feel like I've been saying this to everybody recently, but you are definitely somebody I've wanted to get on the podcast for ages. And we used to have that... We had that little stint for a while where I was going down to Wales and... 
you would win Dragon Pro and I would swing by and pick you up mm-hmm. and we'd always say let's get the podcast done yeah, and then we'd get that. to Wales and then it would never it would just never happen never never happen <laughs> but uh, I think I did a show here recently um, for CPW one of the last indie dates I did last year and I think I got you in like 45 minutes and then I literally just thought to myself well why aren't I travelling down to Coventry yeah, to do these yeah. to do these podcasts? That's the thing, isn't it? I think like that wrestler mentality, like even in this country, um, I'm sure like uh, wrestling with a lot more Americans and stuff, they think that it's hilarious that we think three hours is a long car journey. But, yeah. but forty five minutes is nothing to a wrestler, really, is nothing it? At so, all. Yeah. So how I usually like to start these then is, what's your earliest memory of wrestling? When can you remember falling in love with wrestling? I I had a very on and off sort of thing with wrestling. My my earliest memory of wrestling is I remember being really young um, and seeing... It must have been Bret Hart because all I remember is pink tights. I just said, you know, you have these memories of like when you're really young and you can't really put... put, You just just remember colours or pictures. So I'm pretty sure I remember watching Bret Hart and it must... I think it must have been Shawn Michaels and wanting... And getting really angry at Shawn Michaels... Because I wanted the guy in the pink to win, but I so I didn't really understand what it was. Um, and then my next memory, I guess, is everybody had that time, didn't they, in the late nineties where wrestling was really cool. Yeah. Everybody wanted to like, you know, everyone was saying the rocks catchphrases in the playground and stuff. So I remember kind of like being interested in the promos and stuff like that. But again, I never really stuck with wrestling. Um, and then a friend of mine uh, was obsessed with wrestling obsessed with it and I always used to take the mickey out of her say it was sad <laughs> <laughs> and um, she uh, she was like well you know you should watch it it's actually really cool and I was like no it's, it's not cool mate it's, it's fake fighting it's, it's stupid and um, she convinced me to watch a, watch a pay-per-view I think it was Royal Rumble 2000 remember 2000 uh, that's not the one with Vince wins no it's I, well, I don't know who wins the Rumble but I know it's the one with the Hardy Boys table match. Oh, yeah. And Cactus Jack versus Triple H. H. And I just remember thinking, oh, this is actually pretty cool. They've thrown each other through tables and jumping off stuff and hitting each other with chairs. It's all right. But I'm not going to tell anybody else I think it's all right. So <laughs> it's you, still not quite cool, Did is you it? become a secret a I secret became watcher. a secret wrestling fan. Yeah. <laughs> did you tell your friend, though, that you liked She it? knew that we would watch it together then, but in school, I'd, I'd kind of play it down a little bit more. I wouldn't be like, she'd be reading the magazine. I'd be like, oh, yeah, it's all right, yeah. But I'd kind of play it down. Um, yeah, and then the more and more we, I kind of got into it, the more and more we were sort of like, oh, it'd be pretty cool to learn how to wrestle. But but this was back in the day where, and this is where I like, should, should probably show a bit of age now, there wasn't, the internet wasn't, like, on your phone, or there was dial-up internet, but it was very, you know, there weren't really, really many websites or anything like that. Um, indie wrestling was around, but you, unless you saw a poster, you didn't really Nobody. hear of it. Um so I think it must have been Power Slam magazine or something like that, but we saw that Hammerlock had a had a training school and we kind of thought, well, well, we'll go down in the summer holidays. So we were like 15 at the time, so young. So thought, we'll go down in the summer holidays. Um, and then we looked on their website um, before, uh, before taking the register at school and found out there was a school in Coventry that was literally 10 minutes from where we lived that we had no idea about. And that was that. We went to th- went that Sunday, and um, I fell in love with it even more from from then. Um, did, did they have a ring? 
No. Explain what I, I always love asking what, what people's expect what you thought it was gonna be and then what it actually was um, when you walked through the door. I think I think I don't really know what I expected to be honest. I think one of my best and worst qualities is I kind of go into things without really thinking about it. Sometimes that's good and sometimes that's bad. Yeah. So you, I always think if you've not really got any, any expectations, you, you're not really let down and you, you just you just kind of like, I don't know, you don't get nervous about things then, do you? That's a, that's a good thing to have with wrestling in, in you, general, yeah. Yeah, good and bad sometimes. Um, so yeah, we turned up and it was an Aikido centre. So it was literally just, I mean, just a matted floor basically. Um, not really the best thing to bump on. Um, it's kind of made for a judo throws and stuff like that, yeah. isn't it? And rolling, not necessarily taking bumps. Um, there was quite a lot of people there. Uh, the henchmen were there. Okay. So that's when I first met them. Um, are, they, are they been there a while? Or? I think when we started. So I, I started training in January 2002. And I think when I started, the school had been open for maybe five or six months. So there were. It was every Sunday. There were a few. Was it the affiliation of Hammerlock? Yeah. So okay. it was like it was kind of like Hammerlock Midlands, but they okay. weren't running shows. It was literally just just a training school. Um, yeah, I don't really remember too much about what we did on the first session. I remember somebody went through the window, but I don't remember. What do you mean? I don't know. So I don't know what was going on. I think I, there, I think people were just messing about, and somebody ended up going through a window. Like their their arm ended up going through a window. So that was that was interesting. <laughs> who was the who was the? I think I know who the trainers were, but uh, the trainers were Magic yep. and Psycho Steve, and they trained at Hammerlock, and then okay. they lived in the Midlands, and obviously opened up the school there. So, yeah. what was the training like? Um, it was very different to the type of training that you receive now, um, and it had its pluses and it had its its minuses. It was a lot more hard hitting. Um, I don't think I think just in general I don't think a lot was really understood about head injuries just in sport in general let, yeah. let alone professional wrestling so we'd be taking I don't know sometimes you'd take maybe 50 bumps in a session on the, on these mats or you know you'd be just forearming each other and practicing them and the, it just you know that's just the way thing, things were there um but the plus point of it was is that it toughened you up. Um, magic, especially, was very, very, very uh, keen and 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 made sure that we were treated the same as the guys. That's good. Didn't matter that we were girls. That's good. We were treated the same. We were to be hit the same. We were to do. We were to try everything. We were to do everything exactly the same as everybody else. And actually, he had a rule that, um, <clears throat> and this went for anyone in general. If you went in there and you and you hit somebody with less than what you would hit somebody of the same size as you, you got chopped by everybody in the room to stop you from doing it. Which again, it's quite harsh, but it was all done in like you know jest and good fun. But that's just the way things were, like, and that was the way they were taught as well. Hammerlock was uh, very a very strict training school, and um, they were very much taught, you know, wrestling is real, wrestling is not a joke. You know, we would even, we would even shoot fight quite a lot as well, and we were taught, which again. You kind of think, well, is that really necessary? But yeah, because there's, there might come a time when you actually do have to defend yourself in the ring with somebody. So we were taught how to do that. We were taught how to legit pin somebody and legit tap somebody out. Can't remember any of that now, but at the time, <laughs> I could do that. 
Um, because you never know, um, then t things were a lot different in wrestling. People didn't really work together as much as they do now. So, Also, are you trying to say, like, don't know if that's necessary. One of the probably... We've described him, and I've, I haven't had him on the show, and I do want to get him on at some point. We've described him as Andre Vega's last gift to the world, and that being Sabre Jr. Sabre oh, Jr. Yeah, is yeah. one, of the, mm -hmm. one of the best Matt wrestlers in the world today. Yeah. And it basically all comes from this grounding that Hamalot gave him of that shoot style of wrestling and that battle art style. So if there is a place for it and there is an understanding, if you can if you can shoot wrestle, then you should be able to figure out how to make that your mat wrestling look as real as possible. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and that that was something that was really important to them that we were taught. I guess because to them as well, that was, a, that was an art form that shouldn't be lost. Um, but again, the negative side of that was is that we were never really taught <coughs> character stuff. Um... Or you know, um, I guess things of that nature. Really, we were, structure and psychology. Yeah, none, none of that. None of that was taught. Um, but not because you know, Magic especially was a bad trainer. He was actually a very good trainer um, and taught us a lot of really good things. But he can only teach us what he'd been taught, and he could only teach what his experiences were on shows that he had been on which were limited which were Hammerlock shows yeah. which were booked in that very strict structure of like wrestling is serious sort of thing um, at the time as well you know there wasn't a lot of promotions around um, and if you worked for Hammerlock you worked for Hammerlock you didn't wrestle for anybody else well you came about when that rule was still in place yeah and that was something that became a bit of a bone of contention when I started working for All Star at the same time as working for Hammerlock um, which caused I mean it's, it was all very it was all very silly to be honest because I was probably 16 at the time um, and started working for All Star uh, which to me was really where I think you know people talk about they have that moment when they click with wrestling that was when I clicked okay. when I started working for All Star because I, 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 all my all my I mean uh, wrestling career it wasn't really a wrestling career at that point I probably had maybe 10 matches um, but I'd always been told you know oh yeah you're really good like you're really really good because you know I was a, I was a 15 year old girl and I'd I'd do everything everybody else was doing and I'd try as much as everybody else but there was a very limited knowledge base where I wrestled so going in the ring and doing the moves doing the holds but not knowing really how to sequence them or how to put them together. That was what everybody sort of did yeah. then. Not to say the matches were bad, but there was a lot of little things that were missing that that were that when you get told them, they're really obvious. Yeah, of course. But if you don't know them... I still have moments like that now. They're not <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. too, all the time. They're not obvious. Um, but yeah, so basically I was wrestling there. Um, long story short... Um, Again, it was a different time. You were, you were taught that when you break in, the way you pay your dues is you don't get paid. You go to the shows, you put the ring up. There'd be the infamous Hamlock rumble on every single show. Sometimes you travel for three or four hours. You'd you'd again you're treated the same, so you have to carry the ring like everybody else up the stairs into the venue. Put the ring up. Uh, you go in the rumble. You might get thrown out ten seconds into the rumble, so you just travelled all that way for 10 seconds that was the way it was sometimes you know and it wasn't always nice because sometimes some of the the older Hammerlock guys would purposely throw the new guys out as quickly as possible because oh. they thought it was funny actually like you should be helping these people out and giving them ring time and 
rather than, oh, isn't it funny this person's travelled four hours, put the ring up for us, we'll take it, take it down for us. So just chuck them out after ten seconds. It's a bit nasty, really, isn't it? So. Well, I, I can remember Mark, because Mark uh, was doing Hamlock shows down in, he would like, go to the camp or something like that. Mm. I remember Mark saying he travelled something like six or seven hours to do maybe three or four minutes in a, yeah. in a rumble or whatever. But, that's good, that's a good amount of yeah, time. Yeah, but, uh, well, well, to be fair, he said he came away like thinking, what a great weekend, he actually yeah. loved that weekend. And I guess, it, again, it's because it's not as accessible as it is now. Like, the internet's mm. so much better. The train links and everything is so much better mm-hmm. that and the scene, there was no scene in Wales. So, like, Mark... Oh, yeah, it was, it Wales. Was excited just, just, to get, just to get in yeah. there. So, again, you must have just felt the same that even if you had to travel four hours to get in the Rumble, that's... Even if you're in there, like, a minute, two minutes, that's oh, yeah. a minute or two minutes you wouldn't have had yeah, if you hadn't done the... It's ring time. Um, we did used to get frustrated sometimes, though, because there'd be quite a lot of girl trainees and we'd just never get given anything. We'd never get given matches, or whereas there'd be other trainees that were maybe um, less experienced than we were. Um, maybe not necessarily... I don't know. Maybe, maybe they weren't necessarily better... Um, but the girls were never really given a chance. But the other ones were because they were boys. Yeah. And it's, it's funny because you look back at that now, and one of those girls was, was Becky Lynch. So if you think back then, they could have had all this footage of her that they probably could have put on a DVD or something, and they never, they never used to put her in stuff either. So, yeah, she just used to, to manage uh, Finn who used to tag with Paul Tracy. And and now we literally are sat here on the verge of what's being said at the moment, is she could be the first woman to headline a WrestleMania. WrestleMania. And back then, she, although she she was... It, she's always had this charisma. She's always had that. Um, always had it. Uh, when she used to manage the lads, it would be, be a big part, big part of them being booed and being over the way they were was because of her as a manager. So it just it just made sense to put her in matches, not even necessarily with me, but with one of the other girls. So, yeah. Um, but again, it was it was a different time then. It was it was it, it doesn't seem like it really wasn't that long ago. But wrestling was completely different, especially independent wrestling. It's a true. Really it's a true testament to her as well. Like she was like traveling over from Ireland mm-hmm. doing these training weeks, helping with the ring, knowing that she wasn't going to get on. Oh shows. yeah, we all knew. We'd be yeah. sit, we'd be sitting backstage and we'd just be like, "Yeah, what are we going to do in our one minute rumble spot tonight?" <laughs> and not even in a kind of like we deserve better, like arrogant kind of bitter way. But again, it's like you say, like when you know you've put in just as much graft as everybody else. They could chuck, chuck a six-minute women's match on the two-week tour on one of the shows, give us a chance to at least prove them right or prove them wrong. Prove them right and they don't book it again, fine. But you're not even given a chance to to, to show what you can do. Yeah. When are you ever going to learn? So, But different time. <laughs> did, you, did, you, did you say that that changed for you when you went to All-Star? Is that one of the reasons why you, you think you, you branched out and went um, to All-Star? Again, I, I didn't really know what All Star was. Um, I knew it was the Big Bad Wolf for everybody in Hammerlock. See, I spoke, to, I spoke to Dean about this, and Dean said that their opinion on like the Hammerlock, from what he said, was like he had no, they, they had no problem. Oh yeah, no, no, no. So, so like, when I tried to when I tried to speak to him about like this rivalry, he's like, I have no, I have it was, no. It was, a, it was a way of of keeping people within the Hammerlock bubble. Banner, yeah, coming and paying for the training weekends, and 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 they didn't want people to know that you could get paid elsewhere. 
that was a big part of it as well because most people didn't get paid on Hammerlock shows. So if people started going to All Star and getting paid, you people, know, are, gonna start people are gonna start jumping ship. Also, I didn't have a training school at that point, so that probably didn't help either. But um, the All Star thing came about because there was a girl at our training school, and again, this just goes to show how different it is. Who would travel from Southport every week to train in Coventry because it was the nearest place. Well, now she was just going to Birkenhead, wouldn't she? Mm. She was travel now. Yeah. Yeah. Hell. So yeah. So um, and she said, "Oh, um, there's a promotion that's based in that's based in Southport, which was obviously All Star." Um, I contacted them and they said I can come up and just do like a match before the show to try out. Will you come with me and try out? And I was like, "Yeah, all right." Went along to that. Um, we did that, and then we got booked on a two week tour. So and then that was that, and that was when I think wrestling clicked for me. Um, we went out in a. I don't remember if it was like a one-on-one match or 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 a, a three-way with uh, Lisa Fury, um, but I just remember having this match and thinking it was like the dog's bollocks. Coming backstage um, and having like Robbie uh, Gangrel and a, and, a, and a few others standing there, like kind of looking at me, like what, like like I don't know, like aghast sort of thing and I'm thinking they can tell me how great I was and it's literally Robbie was just like what the fuck was that and I'm just there like what tore me to shreds oh really yeah absolutely ripped me to shreds and rightfully so shit but because you've been in that bubble for so long I had no idea I didn't know being told that you were good and you were great you just I'm like I'm doing the moves properly I don't know what's (laughs) like what's wrong because I didn't get it I didn't get how to structure different matches for different crowds this is a, like a family panto crowd. Like I probably just went out there and wrestled with my head down. So <coughs> yeah, absolutely tore me to shred to shreds. And I was standing there like probably sixteen at the time, like probably on the verge of tears, thinking, oh, "Fucking hell!" Um, and he just said, "Like right," because he lived in Leicester. So I used to travel with him and Darren Walsh. Um, who, used to, who used to live in Leicester? Robbie. Okay. Um, so he was like, so he, I used to, I used to meet them at meet and, and then drive with them. He's like, right, tomorrow um, we'll get to the venue a little bit early and we'll go through some stuff in the ring before the show. And and that was basically the pattern for the for that for that two weeks. Um, if it wasn't Robbie, it would be Gangrel or it'd be uh, Frank Cullen who who helped me out a lot as well. And basically, it would be so. And and and, and that and from that day, it was like quite clearly Brian was like shit I booked these two girls actually that are in over their head I just put them in a mixed tag every night so I tagged with Whippy which again that was great for me um, and I remember them saying right uh, you're going to do the same match every night and I remember thinking <laughs> again just thinking to myself oh, that's, that's shit I don't want to do the same match every night I've got you know I'm an artist you know I need to I need to be able to let my my, my artistic flair flow I need yeah. to do different moves but actually the logic of that is is that <clears throat> night three night four you know that match like the back of your hand so now you can start thinking about and this is what they used to do um, they would say right tonight when you do this cut off just tip your head this way or just lift your chin or just puff your chest or just turn to the crowd or before you do that just pause and every night they'd tack something extra on and they'd say like well just listen to the difference and I'd listen to the difference and I could hear it 
And every night I'd go back like like a little puppy. Shit, every night, <laughs> every single night. Did I do better? No, it's still fucking shit. Right, okay, so try again tomorrow. And it would be this. It would be the same pattern. Um, but I learned so much. I learned. I learned so much about wrestling. Um, and it helped me develop this skill that I've been lucky enough to keep, which is I can just tune into crowds. I can hear stuff. And I think that it's from that. It's not something that a natural talent I have. It's something that's been drilled into me by yeah. them. So now I'll be wrestling. And I'll sometimes say, like, after the match, I'll be like, oh, did you hear when we did this? There was this, this, and this. And people say, how can you hear? Like, I don't know. It's just because I've been taught to tune in and listen to reactions. Um, I learned how to put things together. Uh, tagging with Whippy was, was great. Um, I learned so much from just watching him from, from the apron. Uh, and wrestling Lisa as well. Um, Lisa doesn't get enough credit. Um, she, when people talk about <clears throat> female independent wrestlers in this country, um, we all learnt from Lisa. If Lisa had been around now, she'd be massive. She'd be signed. She got it. She just got it. She she could she could play any role in front of any crowd. I've never had a match where Lisa hasn't got one of the loudest reactions on the show. Never. She she really, as we think about it, she was one of the first big women in this country. When you think about it, because like yeah. I I I I know the name, and she was. I think she really finished, or she was near the close of finishing up before I even came into the scene. Yeah, and she, I know who she was. And she just looked like a star. Yeah, <clears throat> she just had this star presence. I think she tried out a few times, but I don't know. I think, I think then as well, you know, people didn't really get people tried out now and then. You'd hear about it, but generally, people didn't get signed like they get signed now. Again, that was like WWE was this this mystery thing that was completely different thing on the other side of the world. That you know, if somebody got signed, it, there was always this running joke. If if one British person got signed, you know, you you would, you would know that somebody else wouldn't get signed until that person got released. Yeah. So, so as soon as I, I being, think, being British was a gimmick. Yeah, it was a gimmick. Yeah. yeah, it was a gimmick. So if there was one British person, ah, oh, that's it. No one's getting signed until they get sacked. So I better hope they get sacked soon. So someone, like, that 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 was the mentality. Yeah. That was the those were the jokes that people used to sort of like say backstage and whatnot. Um, but yeah, it was just it was just a different time. What year would that be when you started doing All Star? Um, <clears throat> probably like two thousand and three, two thousand and four. What year was it? Because I've done a little bit of my research for this. Um, never used to research for these podcasts. Um, what year was it? That, did you break both your forearms? I broke both bones in one arm. Ah, okay. Um, that was. I think that would have been two thousand five. How did you do that? Um, tag match, Great Yarmouth. Uh, what's it called? X Factor. Just mistimed. Just come down funny on it. Didn't even know. Took it was the X Factor. Took it. Uh, <clears throat> came down on my arm thought that I'd just hit my elbow um, thought I'd because it just felt like I'd just hit a nerve yeah tried to get up on it went underneath me <laughs> so arm fallen completely in half um, both bones completely broken shattered to absolute bits so when you try when you try to push up did the arm just flop yeah I just oh went God. I just fell I just fell and, and like it's funny because everyone was like oh can't believe how brave you were because I didn't I didn't scream I didn't cry I think I, I was just in shock yeah I didn't I didn't know what it, I'd never broken anything before so I didn't know what it felt like 
Um, and I just held it, and every time I picked it up and held it, it just flopped over my other arm. Oh my so god. I tried. Oh my god. It was, it was a tag match, so I just kind of like walked over and <laughs> politely out. tagged yeah, out. Yeah, just politely tagged. I did. I just, put I my just, arm I just politely tagged out, roll out of the ring, and just walk backstage. And I was, it, it was against Soraya, and Soraya was like fucking it. So she, she actually got out of the ring and walked me to the back as well, and then got back in the ring and carried on with the tag match. Yeah, so that wasn't. That wasn't fun, um, and I was 17. So pinned and plated, the arm then? Um, surgery, permanent plates, still in there. How long were you up for? I, I actually stopped wrestling then. Well, I, as in like you thought yeah, that would Yeah, I thought that, that'll do. <laughs> um, yeah, I was 17. Um, I went to hospital in Great Yarmouth. Because I was under 18, they wouldn't discharge me, so I had to stay in Great Yarmouth and have the surgery. So I was stuck in Great Armour for like two weeks. So my parents own. have to come down? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. So, so I can imagine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are they, are they always being supportive of wrestling? Or? Um, I don't speak to or have a relationship with my dad, but my mum, yes. Um, she She's very proud of me wrestling and she's very supportive of it, but she never comes to watch me because she just freaks out. Yeah. And like, I can't, you know what I was saying to you before I tune in? I can just hear her and she just screams the whole time. Like even when I'm like a baddie, she'll just be she'll just be having a go at the baby face and I'm just like I can't like <laughs> I just can't no. So she's supportive but she obviously like any parent gets nervous so she was just obviously when I broke my arm really upset. Um that was my <coughs> at that time I'd just finished my A levels and I'd just got a full time job and I was starting in September. So it's my last, my last ever summer holiday, and I just spent it completely mm. off my face, in asleep all the time because I was in so much pain. Okay. Yeah, so not not the best. Um, at that point, not to say that I, I like lost the love for wrestling or that I didn't want to wrestle anymore, but I just kind of was. There just wasn't loads of wrestling around. I just kind of was just like, oh, I was not really that first with it. But um, I got asked to do a show. Did a show leads to another show and the story goes on but I guess for that time as well like the scene wasn't as good as it was now so you probably was doing little bits and pieces and you wasn't making lots of money off it either I wouldn't have been yeah I wasn't making decent money um, and I guess that frustration of I've just <coughs> lost my summer all day because of this wrestling you probably just went I'm done then yeah a lot of the time as well even even then although I was I was um, quite young um, I was wrestling, I was travelling still quite a lot on my own um, okay. because there wasn't loads of girls about. Uh, so, yeah, I travelled quite a lot on my own and that that was, you know, a bit lonely. Um, the houses and stuff, like, to be fair, also I did draw, always drew really well. So when people say the early 2000s wrestling was was shit and there was the crowds were really shit yeah they they were but there were some shows where you'd you know you'd still be wrestling in front of a couple of thousand people butlins was still around and things like that so um it wasn't like you know you're wrestling in front of shit crowds um yeah james mason said to me he was like <coughs> everyone talks about this boom that we're in now he was like it's exactly the same to me that it's always been he was like i've mm. never seen a real down period because he's I, I would say the trendy independence the the stuff that's more marketed towards grown ups that exactly is, which, which, which James doesn't particularly work yeah. for so. because I, I I used to do those shows as well and they, they've gone from like 50 to you know 700 yeah, yeah. yeah so that that's different but the family stuff has always done well and that, that was always doing well back then as well 
Um, but yeah, so I stopped, started, started doing shows again, um, and then the wrestling channel. Came I was li- oh my god! I was literally <laughs> like, I was literally just sat there going, "Okay, we're talking about this. I'm going to segue into well, the wrestling, wrestling channel, channel in about thirty seconds." I'm, what, I'm on the same. You're on it. I, 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 I literally page. could leave the show and just let you talk. <laughs> <laughs> so the wrestling channel comes about. Um, for such a long time, the rest like wrestling back on TV was like this big buzz. Like for a while, actually, Hammerlock kept saying they were going to be back on TV, and actually, funnily enough, um, Steve, who was one of the trainers at the the training school in Coventry, rang me once when I was backstage at an All Star show and told me that I had to stop wrestling for All Star because Andre wanted me to be on the the TV when Hammerlock came around. And even as a sixteen year old, I was like, I'm going to start, I'm going to carry on wrestling for All Star, mate, because this TV deal is never coming. But yeah, so that, that that's another another story. But yeah, so um, the wrestling channel comes around. Um, Aldn was one of the companies that were going to be on the wrestling channel. Um, so I went in. I went and started wrestling for them, um, Irish Whip Wrestling as well, and RQW. I wrestled for all of those. So I was constantly on the wrestling channel. I would say that just made every wrestler know who I was. Yeah. <laughs> Not necessarily wrestling fans, because I think the majority of people that watch the wrestling channel were probably the people, either the, the smart fans that already went to the shows, or you know wrestlers. To be fair though, to be fair, I guess at this point I probably would have been a smart fan, I guess. Even though I wasn't going to British wrestling shows, I was watching Ring of Honor on the internet mm-hmm. and I was watching music videos of other wrestling that wasn't WWE. Yeah. But it was a big deal to me as a as like a thirteen year old. It was a big deal for me as well to you know, to be on the wrestling channel. That was pretty cool. Like I could I could record myself. Like, it was great. <laughs> that was pretty cool, yeah. <coughs> and I started wrestling, um, one of the girls that was always at Hammerlock all the time, that, that again, was never in matches. Um, Jezebel, Eden Black, yeah. started wrestling her quite a lot. Um, and we started wrestling on a lot of the shows where people wouldn't necessarily book women. Um, and we kind of started to wrestle a bit more of a, like, well, we would wrestle. So, and that was kind of different. Um, again, at that time... Um, women's wrestling on the independence and and you know it, at that time the independence kind of did follow the trend of what WWE were doing so because WWE had mm. women as managers yeah. and that was one of the, that was one of the things I always used to say to people don't ever take a booking as a manager because if, as soon as you do that you're a manager yeah and you get promoters that would say we want you to manage this show and then we're going to do and then two shows time you'll be wrestling You'll never wrestle. You'll be a manager. So the, just don't take the book in. The problem is, well, I guess, is if you come in and do, you go back, I'm going to do the best job I possibly can as this manager, they see it and go, well, that was great. We don't need you as a, as a wrestler. Whereas if you come yeah. in and think, I'm going to do an awful job as this, they've got me as a wrestler, they'd be like, she wasn't very good, so they won't bring you back. So you, you're damned yeah. if you do, damned yeah. if you don't. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, uh, there was that. Um, <clears throat> there was the odd time where you get asked to do bra and panties matches as well. Really? Yeah, so you just be like, nah. <laughs> you would get asked, yeah. Oh, my God. But, you know, you can't, you can't take it as a kind of like... Oh, did, did, uh, did other girls take those bookings and do them? Yeah. They did? I don't want to know. Other, I, other I, girls did. I don't know. But, again, you know, yeah. like, that's fair enough to them. Like, it, that's fine if that's what they wanted. To, if that's what they Actually, were, yeah, yeah, some, were doing. Some, then, some, some people would have wanted to do that. They would have mm. been watching Dore and thinking, this is great, I'd love to yeah. be doing that. So, yeah, I guess. I mean, I, I do remember hearing about one tour of Italy where they did a women's tour and they were literally wrestling on a bouncy castle, apparently, doing... <laughs> those types of matches but again each their own you know whatever not for me um, I wouldn't say I wanted to be taken 
seriously as a serious wrestler because I've, I've never been a serious wrestler but I, tr I trained and I wanted to entertain I wanted to, my thing is I, I always wanted to prove that we could be as entertaining as the guys and that we should be you know we should be we should be seen as a, as, as a genre of wrestling as much as tag team wrestling as a genre of wrestling cruiserweights as a genre of wrestling yeah. it's, ju it's just a different style like women's wrestling again there's arguments of like the girls can do the same thing as the boys yeah but why would you want to why, why don't you want to try and make you make what you do a slightly different style and slightly different that's all that's always been my opinion that's, that's always been what i find has worked for me um but yeah we just wanted to be taken as a serious part of the show not a novelty so and you and eden you and eden were like i guess at this point were you like touring around the uk doing like not the same match, but you and her a lot up and down the country. Yeah, we'd we'd wrestle a lot. Um, yeah, up, up and down the country. Yeah. And do you feel that that helped again <coughs> that, that all star mentality of would you then take the same match and then try to take it somewhere else and then try to tweak it and change it? Yeah, or, yeah. that's what we do. And then uh, again as well, though I think her style was very much she like doing. She loved she loved like you know again like watching the Ring of Honor tapes and stuff like that. So she loved doing all that. She would come and be like, oh, I've seen this cool thing that we can do, this cool sequence. And I'd be like, okay, so she'd do that, but I'd put the character behind it. Yeah. So it worked quite well, I thought. Um, yeah, so we were doing that, uh, touring around, doing uh, the wrestling channel quite a lot. I started to travel a bit more as well, going to Ireland and places like that. So, yeah, it was, it, it was starting to... Things were starting to build a bit of momentum for me at that point. So. Also, as I like you talk about well, LZN and RQW, those places with the wrestling channel being on the TV at that point as well, I'm guessing the majority, apart from one or two places, you would have been wrestling British girls. And then yeah. these places then were cropping up and they were on the wrestling channel. Mm -hmm. They were trying to grab these smart fans. Mm -hmm. So the imports started coming in. Yeah. So then you were getting chances to uh, wrestle imports, which was, again, wasn't, for the girls, wasn't a thing yeah. back then. So, who can you remember wrestling that really kind of like? So the first, <clears throat> the first time that happened, um, Dan Reed used to, and I, people always laugh when I say this name now. But this name to me is just a name of a promotion. But the people are like, why is this name of a promotion? There was a company in in California called Chick Fight. Yeah. And basically, what it was, um, it was serious women's wrestling, but it was a tournament. Okay. Every show was a tournament. So the idea was again. Um, they would bring in girls from all over and they'd do a tournament who's right, the chip fight winner of chip fight one, two, three, blah, blah, blah. Oh, okay. Um, Dan did one in England. So he brought over Chili, Chili de Melissa, uh, Daisy Hayes, Lacey, um, who, you know, for those who don't know who they are, the time they were like the big yep. indie names. They wrestled for Ring of Honor, places like that. Um, Shimmer had just been around probably a year and they were like the top, top girls in Shimmer. So yeah, they came over. Um, I didn't work chip fight. I was supposed to. I was in Din Disneyland Paris. <laughs> so, but I did the other end of the tour. So there was um, there was an island date uh, and a Germany and a, Fr and a France date, I think. Um, so I wrestled Daisy Hayes in, in Ireland. Uh, it was January. It was really bad weather. I got stranded in Dublin together. So me, Lacey, and Daisy like, bonded. Um, and Lacey's still one of my best friends to this day. That's cool. Um, we, me and Rain, who I'm sure we'll get onto later, who I ended up team, teaming with when I used to go over there, 
the three of us always try and make an effort to, to meet up once a year. One of us will go to the other country. Oh, really? That's yeah. really cool. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's really nice. Yeah. Um, so you, you, that's the other thing with wrestling. You meet people, don't you? From yeah. Completely different backgrounds and walks of life. And they, they, they become they become friends. They become like family, don't they? I mean, you know that, you know, the, the people that you're close with that you've met through wrestling. Yeah, people who totally different parts of the country and are now like some of my best mates. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we did we did that. Um, I wrestled, I wrestled Daisy, which was which was a lot of fun. <clears throat> Again, it's a challenge because you're wrestling the same people all the time, and all of a sudden you're wrestling somebody new, and they've they've been trained differently, they do things differently, and then they'll teach you things too. So that was interesting. Um, that was I think early two thousand seven, or maybe yeah, it was been early two thousand seven. Um, they went back, and then Ring of Honor came over and did a yep. did, did a tour here. Um, at that point, <clears throat> Eden Black was going to Shimmer already. Um, so, the, and Alison Danger and Sarah Del Rey were coming over for this tour. There was a two-night tour. They wanted them two to wrestle each other on the first night, and on the second night, wanted them because they were a tag team. Wanted them to have a tag team match against two British girls. Okay. Eden Black was going to be one of them. They just needed somebody else to be a jobber. My name comes up. So again, it's like you get. You get opportunities in wrestling that is just like something really small and it's up to you whether or not you take that opportunity and you you keep it something small or you take something small and you try and make it something big yeah. to be like you know obviously you don't if they give you 10 minutes you don't take 25 but you know what I mean you, you give them the best 10 minutes you possibly can yeah within the remits of what you're if supposed you just to be doing if you're supposed to take an ass kicking you take an entertaining ass kicking exactly so yeah so uh, they say to us um <clears throat> And again, this is when even Ring of Honor were taking women's wrestling seriously at the time. They'd still only get four minutes or, or whatever. So uh, come, we were told, come up the night before, um, come and watch the show on the first night. We might get you to do something, we might not. But the second night is a tag match. So um, Where was the show? Liverpool. Was it in the Olympia? Uh, yeah. Was it the one with Danielson and, and McGuinness? No, I think that one was before... I, don't think it... No, it wasn't. Um, it was Samoa Joe's last tour. Ah, so they'd come over for the Olympia and it had done well, so they came and did they the They came two, back and did the Olympia. Yeah. They did two nights. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't think Nigel was on the show. I don't think, I don't know if, I don't think that Danielson wasn't. No, it wouldn't have been that one. Okay. I would have remembered that match if I was there in person. <laughs> I remember watching it. Um, if I was there in person, I definitely wouldn't have forgot that. Um, yeah, so basically, we're there the first night... <clears throat> Gabe Polsky was the, the promoter at the yep. time. We're backstage during the interval, and he just kind of says, "Like, can you just do a quick promo on the girls, just to challenge them to a match?" So I'm like, "Okay." So I literally just blah 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 blah. You submit, submit, submit. You come all the way from America. You just wrestle each other. Blah 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 blah. Submit first one take, and he's like, "Okay." Wait there one minute, and I'm just there. <laughs> I look at I look at Jazz Eden Black, and she's looking at me, and I'm like, well, "What did I just do wrong? Shit." And I'm looking at Sarah and Alison like, like, what's going on? Comes back with a with mic, hands it to me. Can you go do that out there? And I'm like, what? Can you just go and, go and, go and just do exactly what you just did there, out, the out there? And I'm like... And at the time, like, there's WWE, there's TNA, there's Ring of Honor. And then obviously you've got the Japanese promotions and the Mexican promotions that have always been around, but Western-wise... Ring of Honor was the third biggest promotion Ring of Honor was like the coolest promotion. Like, we, let's all, we all know that deep down, 
We all wanted to wrestle for Ring of Honor. Well, we did. <laughs> we all wanted to wrestle. So the fact that I was going to be going up there anyway and probably dropping out in four minutes, I was bitten. Like, I was. This is the place. To to handed, this is the place that gave us AJ Styles, yeah, CM Punk. To be handed a, a mic with the Ring of Honor logo around it and go go and do a promo out there, and I'm a, I, I'm a girl. Like I'm a girl, and I'm just here to do a job. Like nobody knows. Nobody here knows who I am. I'm just like, fuck, like, this nuts. So I do, go out there, do the pretty much the same thing, slag them off, blah, blah, blah. What's blah. the reaction like when you go out? Booed. So they knew who they you were? They hated me. But do they know when you walk through the... Do they I don't think they knew who I was when I walked through the... Maybe some people might have known, but, but generally, the general crowd, nah, they, wouldn't have, they wouldn't have known who we were. But yeah, I just did a, a similar thing. Um, and, and yeah, the next night, and, and I'm, I'm really proud of this, the next night... We were the only British people to get booed, and I mean booed to the point where somebody tried to pull me off the, the ramp, and like you can really? see, you can see in the DVD I kick somebody in the face because they're trying to they're trying to pull me off the ramp, and I remember thinking shit I'm going to get in trouble for that. Like yeah, so we went out there, did that match, um, really cool to be able to say I wrestled Sarah, yeah, took all the moves, brilliant, <laughs> jobbed out. Um, and then as we're hugging at the end of the match because they do the whole thing in Ring of Honor where you have to shake hands um, Alison just grabs me in like, shakes my hand welcome to Shimmer you're coming to Shimmer oh that's, the, that's cool yeah and at the time like Shimmer is like that's a big deal yeah of course to go to America still, still, still is yeah, now it's, it's still a big deal now but um, back then nobody was getting flown nobody yeah, yeah. Uh, Spud had gone over for Ring of Honor um, Dog obviously mm-hmm. was going over for, I mean, he was uh, I think the pure wrestling champion and, jo- and Jody and Johnny had been flown over yeah, they'd, and, done and some they'd been over but 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 no I mean Becky obviously went over for Shimmer uh, Nikita went over for Shimmer as well so it wasn't like I was the first Brit and uh, Eden Black would have already gone over for Shimmer as well yeah um, so I was like the fourth the fourth one but but four still good no, it was good yeah, <laughs> so, there wasn't a lot of people good. going over there so. yeah so um, the end of that year <clears throat> I went over there. Um, and that's when I first met Rain um, to introduce me to the, uh, my first match there was against Serena Deep right Pinder yes <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was that was fun that was a lot of fun wrestling her um, and then uh, to kind of like get me over a little bit more with the crowd they put me with Rain and Lacey who did like a similar sort of like gobby gobby little shit gimmick heels comedy heels sort of thing Um and uh, it just it just clicked and it just worked. So he kept kept us together, and from that we we just became best friends. And we were honestly we were we were just it was, it's really strange how we just ended up knitting together and in wrestling everything kind of clicked. But at the same time, like personally, we we were really good friends as well. So that was cool. So then at that point, two thousand seven, two thousand eight, two thousand nine, um, I, I was. I was over there twice a year. Um, I was wrestling all over the UK, um, and then I would be Germany, France, Belgium, Spain, Ireland, at least one of those places once a month. Was was it your full time job at this point? Never my full time job. Never your full time job. <clears throat> um, the job that I had at the time, I would start at five in the morning and finish at half one. So I would literally like being based in the Midlands was good because everywhere was close. So if I was doing a weekday show. I, a lot of the time it would be all star I'd be travelling with Robbie they would leave as late as possible anyway so I'd be able to do those shows the weekend a lot of the time I'd I'd, I'd leave on a Friday night 
I'd a lot of the time come back Monday morning, three or four in the morning, have a shower, go to work. And I did that for, I don't know how I did it, but you just do it, don't you? Well, you do, yeah, especially when it's something you, you really want to do. Yeah. Like, I did the PGCE teaching, and my life would have been so much easier for those for that ten months I'd stopped wrestling. Mm. But I didn't. And luckily I didn't, because it ended up being one of my best years coming out of it. I got progress and stuff like that, but it was killed me so long. yeah I mean I look back at it now and I just think god but I think as well like wrestling was so unstable um I never really had the balls to completely commit myself to it and not have a, a permanent job because again I, I would I don't think it's a stretch to say that for British independent wrestlers I was probably the busiest people were probably me and Doug at that time yeah um because I I I me, me and Doug both did the same thing we both had the best of both worlds. We would do all star camps and stuff like that. But we do the independent, like the cool trendy. Yeah. One. And I know all stars and independent, but you get what I'm saying? Like the cool independents, we'd do them as well. So you were getting like both sides of the coin in terms of work, whereas most people would either do one or the other. And I knew who you were, like when I'd started and stuff like that. I remember we I think we I think we were on a night out I don't know what this has been, maybe two thousand eleven, maybe on amp night out and I remember like we all bumped into you and stuff and I remember just being like that's Jenna that's <laughs> so I know it's silly but that's exactly how it was it was, like, it was the it, wrestling channel it was, it was the wrestling channel but I remember like being Hitchcock that's Jenna that's Jenna but you 100% would have been one of the busiest because we at the time were still new to the British wrestling scene and we weren't we knew who Doug was we knew who Jody was we knew who Johnny was mm. but there was a lot of people who we didn't I think we knew who like Liggs was and stuff like that but yeah. we didn't know who we met Sabre for the first time ever, and we didn't really know who Sabre was. Oh yeah, and he he was one of those people that was like a real a real kept secret. Like he's always been so good, um, and the best thing he ever did. I mean, yeah, okay, I, I get what you were saying earlier is very true. Like the, the Hamelock trained him very well, and he was very loyal to them, probably to his own detriment. I don't know, maybe maybe not. Maybe if he'd have broken out earlier, he wouldn't have had as much of an impact. He wouldn't wouldn't have been as rounded as he is. Yeah, but you know. When he when he when the guys started running AMP and, and Triple X and, and I mean the match we had with with Danielson at Triple X was, yeah. was phenomenal. Well, that's how we learned about Triple X because yeah. of that match. Mm, um, but he he's always been so good. Like I I remember like he would come up and he would take training sessions <clears throat> at the school in Coventry, and you'd see people would look at him when he'd walk in because he was a kid, and they'd be like, "What's this kid going to teach me?" And he'd literally run rings around everybody. Of course he would. Yeah, he's always been very good. So you were doing this, you were going back and forth to America, you were working this job. What year would that have been? To, about 2009, probably? Mm-hmm. 2009. But then there was a, a period where you you stepped you stepped away and you mm-hmm. just kind of, for lack of a better word, <coughs> retired. Why, why, cause, why was that? Because I, I never really knew why. I just really knew that you'd stop wrestling. I, I was... I completely lost my love for it, if I'm honest. Okay. Um... I, I, when it comes to, I guess, independent wrestling of the time, I had it all. Like I, I was, I, I was doing so well. I was doing better than ever. I ever thought, I, for much further than I ever thought, I'd, it'd be possible to be able to go. Um, I wrestled so much. I did the typical wrestler thing where I got hurt and I carried on wrestling and I made it worse. So I wrestled in Germany and I took a bump funny and I landed really funny on my back. Um, 
and that was where it kind of started for me. Um, I carried on wrestling, my back was hurt. And again, what we know about wrestling now is a lot, even a lot different, you know, 2009, it's not that long ago. I thought, well, I probably shouldn't wrestle, but you don't want to pull out shows. Um, my next week of bookings is, it's only all-star, so I only have to take a few bump and feeds. But a bump and feed is actually quite a lot of impact, really. Yeah. So every night I'm taking bump and feeds, bump and feeds. Like that's probably worse than just taking one big spike move. Yep. Or a kick, or you know. Um, and then I went back, to, uh, no, not back to Germany. I wrestled on a Saturday. Um, and I took, I literally took a Mishinoku driver. <coughs> so Raya was a special guest referee. Um, and I just landed. And as I landed... It was probably half a second, maybe even a second, but I remember looking down at my hands oh and I remember God. in my head wiggling my fingers, but nothing happened. Oh my God. And this was not that long. I'm pretty sure it couldn't have been that long after. Um, I totally forget his name now. The guy that got paralysed taking a slam. Nick Barley. Yeah, Nick. It wasn't a slam. I was on that show. You like, were on that yeah, show. Yeah, it was my first ever show that I did. And I, I just remember he wasn't even booked on that show, was he? He just, he just the wrestler thing turned up with his gear. There was a spot and that yeah. happened. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that had happened at that point. I don't know. Had it happened? Uh, uh, my first show was November 2009. So, yeah, 2008. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe. I don't know. I don't know if it was then. That might have been after. But I don't know. The two things are just quite connected in my mind. But, um, but yeah. I remember doing this, wiggling my fingers, nothing moved, and just just thinking like, and then I remember kind of looking around at the crowd. It wasn't a big crowd, and I remember just thinking, what am I doing? I'm 23. What am I doing? I just rolled underneath the bottom rope, crawled to the back, and just collapsed. And Soraya was like, one, <laughs> like looking at me like, what are you doing? Two, and I'm just like, like literally like crawling, like I, can't, I can hardly like move crawling. Three, because in my head, I know at that point, you know, I've got the feeling back and I'm moving, but I know what's coming next. There's a fucking thing outside the ring. There's a German. There's this. There's this. There's this, and I'm thinking, no, no, fuck this. I'm not going to be one of those wrestlers that is brave and finishes the match and fucking ends up killing myself. Like I just looked around and I thought, what am I doing? This is not. It's not worth it. Um, I got to the back. I managed to get through the curtain and I literally just collapsed. And everyone was just looking at me like, what the fuck? Um, I went to hospital. They told me that um, I'd sprained my spine. God knows what that means. I don't. They didn't really do anything. They didn't check much. So I don't know. Again, wrestling is not really something that people really understand. So, um, but I spent the entire next week on my sofa. I literally couldn't move. Like it would take me like I don't know how long just to crawl to the toilet. And again, I just thought I'm, I'm 23. Um, but I didn't quit. Um, I still had bookings. <clears throat> Actually, not not many people ta- know this story, but I'll, I'll tell it. It's one of the things that I was always really ashamed of at the time. But but now I'm a little bit older and I've grown up a little bit more. I can I can see that I was just petrified of wrestling at that point. I had a booking in Spain um, and I had to uh, take two planes. I had to go from Germ- I had to go from England to Germany, change planes, go to Spain, <coughs> and um, the pa- the plane to Germany was delayed. And I just remember thinking, I hope I missed my connection. Don't want to go. Can't do it. I got there. 
And I remember getting to Germany and before getting on the plane to Spain, I remember going to the toilet, coming out of the toilet and looking at the mirror and just looking at myself and just saying to myself, I can't do it, I can't do it. And I changed my flight and I went back home because I was so petrified. And you just said that you missed the connection? Is that what you just said, you missed the connection? Yeah. I was so petrified of wrestling. I was literally... I'd, I'd never... I've, I'm always... I'm a very... I'm a very calm person. I'm a very, like... The way I've always been brought up is you just kind of get on with things, you know? You don't... You know, you just... If you're sick, you still go to work. Like, you, you know, things like that. <clears throat> the British way. <laughs> yeah. So, I guess... I don't know what you could, what you could call that, but I, I don't really want to use, like, panic attack or anxiety or anything like that because... There are far worse things that people go through, but I was absolutely petrified of stepping in a ring at that point. And every single match I had after that point, I was nervous. I'd be thinking of taking a suplex. Oh shit, I'm scared. A suplex. I would be. I would be so nervous. I'd be hesitant, and I noticed that. And then you're obviously more likely to injure yourself or injure somebody yeah. else. Um, and then. <clears throat> I don't know, I think at that point I could see myself becoming one of those wrestlers that I always kind of thought, like, why'd you do it? Like, I'd be backstage and I'd be like, oh, I can't wait to go home. And I always used to look at those wrestlers before and think, do you know how lucky you are to have a match on this show? There are people that would kill to have the opportunity that you've got to main event this show or to go out there and have ten minutes instead of three or, you know, have an actual match instead of a rumble spot and you're just wasting it and you don't even want to be here to go home. And I was becoming one of those people... And wrestling gave me so much. Um, I think I became a better person because of wrestling because I travelled and I met different types of people and it helped me become a more rounded person. Um, it gave me so much. I didn't ever want to be bitter towards it or to hate, to hate it. Um, and I think the, f- the final straw for me, um, <laughs> I went on a night out. I got really drunk just with my mates. Um, and I had a show the next day and I was woke up the next day and you know when you're just so hungover sorry this is a bit bit gross you're so hungover that like when you're being sick there's nothing because you've been sick so much and you're just sick you're just sicking up bile I was just like oh I'm in so much pain I can't do this show and it was like it was like a local show and it was one of those things where it was like yeah we want to book you because um, the promoter's girlfriend started wrestling and we want to book you in a a, a, a feud with her and you're like oh it's gonna be shit like <laughs> then one of those sort of things and I'm just like oh I don't want to go I don't want to go and I was like no you've agreed to do it you can't it's not fair you shouldn't you shouldn't fuck people around like if you took a booking you should go so when they had me as a baby face in the main event with with this this guy I just remember thinking oh, it's gonna be shit it's gonna be like 10 people here it's gonna be shit um the, the place was packed the crowd went mental. Like it was so easy to work. And I remember, like, I won the match, and I remember, like, at the end of the match, standing on the ropes and like celebrating. And you know, when you do those shows with the kids, and all the kids rush to the ring because they're just yeah. going to touch you or get you to sign something. And I remember looking down and thinking, this should be the moment that changes my mind. Mm. This should be the moment that I look out at this crowd and think, how could I ever give this up? This is this is this is so cool. How could I give this up? But I looked out and I just nothing. Just didn't want to be there, and just thought somebody else could be standing on these ropes. Somebody else could be actually appreciating this. I'm not appreciating it. 
so I need to I need to step away. So that's exactly what I did. And everyone was like, I can't believe you're not you're gonna give up <laughs> because I was twenty three and I, I had so much going for me. I you know, I, I was very lucky to be in the position I was in. Um but somebody else can take that spot and appreciate it, so that's yeah. a, that's such a that's such a grown up response because I think I look at like myself as twenty three, or I look at some of the younger kids at twenty three, and I think to myself, "Oh, you're just a baby." And, and obviously, there's probably people who are like like thirty five, mm. like forty, and they probably look at me and be like, "Oh, you're just a baby," or whatever. But yeah, that's that for a twenty three year old who at the time was one of the you were probably the most well known female British wrestler, if not one of the fe- the most famous British uh, female British wrestlers around at the time, and you probably could have if you'd given up the job, made it full time. But you'd, you, instead of being selfish, kind of realise this isn't making me happy anymore and I'm going to step away. And that's, that's, such, a, that's such a big thing to do, especially yeah, at age yeah. 23. It was, especially considering, you know, if you think I started training when I was 15, so wrestling had consumed my entire adult life to that yeah. point. I'd grown up with, with wrestling. It made, it made you into the adult yeah. that you were. But, that, but that's the thing, you know, I, I had to grow up quite quickly because when I was 16, I was travelling to wrestling shows on my own and, you know, I was, you know, when I was 17, 18, I was flying to countries on my own and, and doing all that sort of stuff. Um, so I did, I did grow up quickly and I did mature quickly and, and I, I have, re- I'm probably one of maybe the few people that gets maturer from wrestling. I don't, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I have, I have wrestling to thank for um, so many things. And I've always been quite an observant person, even from a young age, and I think that that's a big part of it as well, observing people that were that, that age, you know, 30s, 40s, that didn't want to be there, and just thinking, mate, you're 35, you don't want to be here, just go and get a 9 till 5. <laughs> you know, it's just, just, yeah. So, but yeah, I, I hated it. I didn't, I didn't enjoy it. And also, I didn't enjoy it... Um, I was hesitant, I was nervous about doing stuff, I was going to hurt myself, I was going to hurt somebody else. And and that's that's worse than just being a moody arsehole backstage, really, isn't it? So, what was your last match before you... <laughs> so, so um, just before I stopped, I did, I did the carny wrestler thing where I said I was going to retire so I could get rid of all of my merch. <laughs> um, I wrestled Nikki Cross quite a lot in my last year. Um, and... I'd like to think I, I kind of helped her in, in some respects because I did the same thing for, with her that Robbie did with me. Yeah. Um, I got booked on some shows down here and I, and, I, and she was nervous being a heel. So although I was normally always a heel on shows, I basically said to this promoter that would run like family shows, book her, but I'll, I want to be the baby face because she wants to learn to be a heel. Which and is I, crazy now when you think about, I only see Nikki as a heel. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, and... Uh, yeah, so so um, and we did the same match every night. We did the same match every night, and then every night I would sort of try and do the same thing and say, just pause at this or do this and this. Um, so that I really I really enjoyed. I went up to Scotland a few times and did training seminars up there as well. Um, Love to remind her of this. Sammy Jane came down and did a training seminar. Um, she had been through a similar experience where she been trained at school where maybe they didn't really have the right idea of things but she's always been a phenomenal bumper like I, I remember her from that training so she's really quiet really shy but the one thing I always remember from from her is she, she would she would take a bump like it killed her like, and then just get up like eh, yeah it's, that's just how you take a bump and she's still got that um my last match I asked Dan Reed um 
I wanted to wrestle Paige in my last match because I was pretty certain she was going to get signed and become a star so I wanted to be able to <laughs> but she was Brilliant. my last match and I told her that I was like yeah that's why I want you to be in my last match um, so yeah I was, I was allowed that as my last match my last in quotes match how long were you gone? six years I think that's pretty good for a retirement I don't know I was, I was completely <laughs> convinced you were gone forever so six years yeah six years why did you uh, why did you come back? God knows. <laughs> um, it's just one of them things where again, like wrestling was such a big part of my life and I and I'm I'm glad I stepped away. Um because I got to experience normal things again. I missed nights out, I missed weddings, parties, birthdays, all, all that sort of stuff because I was I was wrestling every weekend pretty much. So it was nice to have a normal life. It was nice to not have plans on a Saturday night. It was nice to go out with my friends and be able to say, yeah, I can go to that birthday in two weeks and not have to be like, oh, I'm not going to make it to your birthday night out because I'm stuck in Euston Station because my train is, you know, that sort of stuff. Um, go on girls' holidays, that's another thing with wrestling. You never really go on holiday, do you? Because you're always like, oh, I might get booked. I've never, I've never had a lot of <laughs> I might get booked, or I am booked, so I can't do holidays. So when on holidays, um, yes, yeah, so and, and wrestling gave me a bit of a book for travelling, so I, I did quite a lot of travelling. Um, Got to actually see the countries. That yeah, might be like that's the other thing as well. Yeah. Like the first, like I've, I rest, literally wrestled in Paris so much, and the most I ever saw of the Eiffel Tower when I wrestled in Paris was when the plane took off and you could sort of see it from the sky if it was night. Um, so it's nice to actually go to places and, like you say, actually experience one. Um, yeah, a lot of my friends had never seen me wrestle. Um, don't know why they just just never had quite a few of them. Um, so uh, a friend of mine who now lives in Thailand who used to wrestle as well we went on a night out there was a couple of like wrestling people there and basically I ended up taking a, a booking <laughs> taking a booking for a show um, which then turned into just wrestling again really as, as, as it does um, I always kind of planned on doing one or two I specifically requested that I would only wrestle Nikki. Um, I wrestled Nikki, um, but then I wrestled a lot more other people as well. My actual first match back was uh, me and B Priestley versus uh, Livy and Tony Storm. So that was pretty good wrestling yeah. Tony Storm in my first match back. Um, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> since then, some of the stuff I've done is, is, is mental. It's nuts. So what, year, what year did you come back? 2015, I think. And when when you came back, were you aware of how much the scene had changed? No, I, I'd I'd completely cut myself off from wrestling. Um, I, I wouldn't. Again, at that at that point when I quit before, I just didn't want anything to do with wrestling. So I wouldn't watch wrestling. <coughs> I wouldn't talk about wrestling really. Um, I'd go to the Triple X show. Um, or Triple X night out. <laughs> yeah, <the> night out. <laughs> um, uh, so I kind of knew, you know, oh, Zach's getting out there, that's good. Or oh, Jimmy's getting out there, that's good. Oh, um, Spud's got a new gimmick, that's pretty cool, he's a heel. Everyone told him he couldn't be a heel, he can. He's actually very good, he's actually got a fantastic mind for wrestling. It's good that people can are starting to see that. So I'd kind of dip in that and see stuff like that. Uh, Furball, who's now Finn, Bala, like, see, I knew that he'd obviously come over and did a triple X show, and he was obviously good, he's really good, he deserves to get out there. So I kind of knew, like, bits and bobs... Obviously knew that, you know, um, Becky had got signed. I think Paige obviously I knew that she she was doing well. Um, 
but I didn't really know too much. I knew that the independent scene was different and there was more stuff and it was more popular and the triple X model was something that a lot of other places were doing. Oh man, they were like, it blows my mind how those shows were around and nobody cared. Do, do you know what? I don't think I don't think they'd mind me saying it, but they were just they were just booking shows for a laugh. <laughs> they, they really were. Like if they had have put more marketing behind it or branched out of running it somewhere other than just because my mum runs this pub. Yeah. <laughs> they could have. You know, you never know what what could have happened. But they were just they were they were running shows and it's similar to what a lot of people sort of staying at like I guess Chikara is probably quite quite similar. They were running shows that they wanted to see. Yeah, we and attack the, running and that their mates wanted yeah. to see, and in turn, that's what a lot of other people wanted to see as well. Um, and the fan base there was really loyal. There was a lot of times where the usual shit with wrestling where ring, rings would fall through and you know somebody you know this 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 person would double book their ring or, or or silly things would happen or somebody would call the council and say that the insurance wasn't right when it was and sh- the usual sabotage yeah. bullshit that goes on um and when stuff went wrong they would just come back and do and they would just try and run another show and the fans would always be there so that was that was good um and they were putting on the map like matches now like when you look back and the matches that they put on, they're like big pay-per-view matches now. One, one of the ones I think they, <laughs> they, they posted about recently was like Pete and Sabre that was probably in front of like 30 or 40 people. Yeah. Which would draw huge numbers now if, if you booked that match. Mm. Yeah, Zach and, Zach and Danielson. Yeah. That, that's a dream match, isn't it? But what was your biggest, when you came out, what was your biggest eye-opening thing? Oh, this, this is quite a big deal now. Um, I don't know. Um, I guess, I guess working some of the shows and seeing that, looking out at the crowds and there being, you know, the majority of people were were adults and they were actually you know, there were like a thousand people there. I was quite like Jesus, like because the, the the whole model before was that there is that audience but they're so spread out over the world not just the country so Chikara again is a perfect example you watch their DVDs and there's probably about 50 people in the crowd <coughs> but they have all of these big indie names and the reason why they can afford to run those shows is because they will just sell thousands of DVDs so that was the model back yeah. then it wasn't so much about who was in the building it was about how many people were going to buy the DVDs so seeing people out in the crowds yeah that was that was a big deal um Working with Eve again was was like, I mean that's completely different to what it was. I mean I remember when those shows first started, if you got fifty people, it'd be like, great, we will put on the best show we can for these fifty people, and hopefully next time it'll be sixty, and then next time it'll be seventy, and to sell out the York Hall, phenomenal. Like rarely, rarely in wrestling. Or in anything in life, again, like I say, I just kind of bumble along a lot, a lot of my life, really. I rarely kind of sit and reflect on things, but on the day of Queen's Dorm, we had, like, a meeting, and everyone was, like, we were going through, like, who's doing what and whatnot. And after the meeting finished and everyone kind of, like, walked off to do their own thing, I was sat next to Dan and Emily, and I just said to them both, I was like, just stop for a minute and look where we are. Like, FWA used to run this venue like once every five years and they'd have to bring over like AJ Styles and all these people to fill it 
and you've just filled it with a women's show. Like, remember when we used to do the women's shows and there'd be, like, 30 people in the crowd and 10 of them would be trainees? And they'd be like, well, it would... Dan was like, it's never 30. <laughs> like, all right, 40. <laughs> but, like, that was, like, that was a moment. Like, that was, that was special, really special, especially for me because I, I've been there before. Yeah. When nobody was there, nobody yeah. gave nobody gave a shit, and we were just like, God, we can we can we can be entertaining, like we can we can offer something too. We just need to we need people to just give it a chance and watch it, and you know they'll realise. But you know the girls that are around today as well. Like back then, there was probably five or six of us, but there's so many. And the best thing about it is everybody's so different. Everybody has a, a distinct character, gimmick, look. Um, style um, whereas before you know and this is something that I always kind of noticed like everyone used to wrestle the same all the girls used to wrestle the same because we were used to always being the one match on the show not on a, not an entire show yeah. with us all on them um, so yeah that, that I guess probably Queendom I loved it like I was there it was such a good show I, I, after my match I was just I I was out there straight away watching the rest with the crowd. I, I was, I was, I was, uh, hands down, I was so drunk and it was one of the best it, experiences. It was, like, honestly. I've never had it at I'll, I'll never, I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. I remember, and I remember, like, because I was out second and I remember being really annoyed with Dan because he'd, he'd said to me, yeah, because um, originally I was meant to wrestle Nicole Matthews but she was really ill and she was in hospital and couldn't come over and I remember saying to Dan, like, a couple of days before the show, like, I was like, I know that like it's difficult to rejig and whatever, and I was like, but please can I have, please can I be in a match? Because normally I'd just be like, whatever, like it wouldn't really bother me. But that was to me was a really big deal. It's and a milestone, wanted, yeah. and I wanted to wrestle on it. Yeah, I said to him like, please, like, please can I just be in a match? I want to wrestle on the show. I don't just want to be on it. I want to wrestle on the show. And he was like, no, he's like, of course you're going to have a match. I'm going to make sure you've got a match. And he put put me with Chris, which was so much fun wrestling Chris. Um, but then he was like, yeah, we're going to make that match a qualifying match for the ladder match. And I was like, Dan, <laughs> I don't do those type of matches. I'm not doing it. You do tonight. <laughs> and he was like, listen, listen, hear me out, hear me out. I was like, put Chris in it. I was like, everyone there is going to want Chris in it. No one's going to want me in the ladder match. Like, give them what they want. Put Chris in it. And I was like, and she'll jump off something. I'm not jumping off anything. I won't even climb it. <laughs> not even for a joke and pretend to get it down. And he was like, right, listen, listen, listen. We're going to put both of you through. But you're going to be there as like that's going to be your thing. Just don't you don't you don't have to do anything. And then I was kind of in the back of my mind. The carny part, carny wrestler was like, can't charge him extra now, can I? If I don't take any, <laughs> take any bumps. Um, but yeah, and then on the day he was like, yeah, so we're going to do the cage match first because it takes so long to put up and then it's going to take so long to put down. So before you go out and wrestle Chris, we need to go and do promo as well. So I'm like, right. So you want me to go out there and do a promo, wrestle Chris, stay out there and go in a ladder match. You're taking the piss. Like, I was so angry. I was backstage like, like really moody about it. Probably because I was nervous. I was shitting myself. Um, But I remember when the first match was out and the crowd was so loud for the first match. And I remember standing there backstage and I've never been... You always get nervous, don't you? You always, yeah. you always do. Um, but I've never been so nervous in all my life. I was shitting myself. And, and Greg walked past. And um, he was like, you're all right? You, are you buzzing? Are you buzzing? I was like, Greg, I'm shitting myself. I'm shitting myself, Greg. I was like... 
I can't do it. I okay, this this is not this is not normal. Should, should only be a hundred people out there. Like this isn't right. And he was like, no. He goes, you you girls have you girls have earned this. He was like, go out there and, and soak it in and enjoy it. And and when he said that to me, I was like, yeah, I need to just go out there and just enjoy it because it might not happen again. If it, hopefully it does because there's another one this year. But you know. Yeah, that was. I'll never forget that experience, and I didn't have to do anything off a ladder. And I do love how you went from "Can you have a match?" to you having pretty much three segments <laughs> yeah. in the show. So yeah. I think that's. Uh... Though I did get hit with a ladder because one fell down and hit me on the knee, and it really fucking hurt. <laughs> so I, th- I think that was one of the worst bumps in that ladder match, personally. But yeah, yeah, no, that that was that was an experience, especially because I'd wrestled in the York Hall before, in front of like fifty people. To go back there and to yeah. stick claim as this is women's wrestling. No, yeah, this is what and to know done. that I was on the first Eve show as well, and to get to get to that point, yeah, it was it was pretty cool. So what's what's next for Jetta? I don't know really. I think the same old thing really. For for, for me, um, I never really have any expectations with wrestling or any or any goals set in mind because. I don't know. That's just that's just the way that I've always been. For me, I just want to enjoy myself. I've been through the thing of having it be your your entire life and it consuming every part of your life and hating it and loving it and being hurt and, and not being hurt. Um, so f- for me, if it's not fun and, and, and I'm not enjoying it, there's no point. Um, I've got outside of wrestling. I've got a pretty good career, um, and, I, and I enjoy it. Um, I wouldn't go as far. I think to say wrestling as a hobby would probably be putting down what people do. People and what you've done when, as well, yeah. When 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 you when you when you, when you wrestle um, and you still have a full time job, um, but for me, um, I think it'll it's always going to be something that has to be something I enjoy. I have to get a buzz about it. I have to be excited about being on a show or wrestling a certain person. Otherwise, there's no there's no point for me because I'm very aware of what it's like to hate wrestling, and it's it's not a nice place to be in when something that's giving you so much is something that you don't enjoy. Especially because, as 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 deep as it sounds, <clears throat> you never escape wrestling once wrestling's in your life. For six years, I didn't wrestle and I didn't talk about it. And people would still come up to me at work or people that I'd met that I'd never spoken a word to about wrestling and start talking, you're a wrestler, you're, you're a wrestler, weren't you? So it, it's always something that you're going to have to have as part of your life. So I don't ever want to be in a position where somebody comes up to me and talks to me about it and I'm like, I, I want to be able to be like, yeah, it's, it's really cool and I'm doing this in a couple of weeks and da 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 I, I don't ever want to be in that place again where I hate it and I'm bitter towards it. Again, for the same reasons, there's so many girls around now that are so good. You know, I, I don't wrestle as much as a lot of those girls, but I'm still taking a spot. You know, would with the landscape changing and everything now, and more opportunities than ever, would you ever want to be full time? Would you ever want to take a contract? Um, it's difficult to say because I I always I always approach that question from a very logical, boring, grown up work, bills, mortgage perspective. My job is very safe. Um, I have a clear career path where I will be able to move up in what I do and and make decent money. I get 35 days holiday a year. I get bank holidays on top of that. And I get 
like really good sick pay so if I'm ever ill um, I know that I'll be looked after I could sign a contract for the same money I'm on now and then not have that contract in six months I could probably go back into a similar job to what I do now but I'd have to stop back in it. so for me I don't it would have to be the right contract it would have to be the right and the right opportunities yeah but then at the same time I still don't I like being I like being at home I don't like I wouldn't want to I don't know it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough one the the whole NXT UK thing and the and the the performance center and all that is 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 brilliant and it's great, but even then would would I want to be away for a week training and then travelling around the country or around Europe? Yeah, I'd probably probably enjoy that for a few months, but I know what I'm like and I know after a few months I'd be like I don't want to do this anymore. I'd want I want to be at home or rest, wrestling. I don't want wrestling to become a job again. I want it to be something that I I enjoy doing. So you want it to be your escape. Yeah, so ne- never, you know, you can never, you can never say no, and you can never say never. Um, if I if I was ever lucky enough to get asked to do something, yeah, I probably would do it. Whether or not I'd sign a contract and leave my job, I'd say probably not. It'd have to be, it'd have to be a, not just a good offer, but it'd have to be a, a secure offer, which there's no, no such thing as there in wrestling. So um, probably probably not. Um, but in terms of what I'm doing now, I, I love I love working with Eve. I've done some really cool stuff with them. Got to randomly sing at Reading Festival, which was... Oh, yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah, like, my, my girlfriend thinks that's crazy that you, you yeah. pretty much cut off Kate Bush. <laughs> Kate Nash, sorry. So, yeah, so, I mean, I guess... She, so she's on Glow, um, which is on Netflix, and she came to an Eve show. Um, she was so jealous when you girls got here. And she just thought it was so cool. And Dan, you know, Dan, being, Dan. You know, being a promoter... <laughs> Good lad. He was like, let's get her involved in an angle. And originally, she was... Originally... Um, I don't know if I'm going to get told off for this, but whatever, I'll say it. I'll probably, yes. I'll probably, get, I'll probably get really told off for this. But originally, he was toying with the idea of trying to get her on Queendom. And he wanted to do a best of three. So me and her would have a singing competition, an arm wrestling match. And match. And then maybe a match. So that was the what he was originally, originally trying to do. Um... So we did this whole thing where uh, she was at a show. Uh, I slagged her off. It's, this is quite. And this just shows the difference in like different types of show business as well. She was. She was. I was slagging her off. She said something back to me. I said something back to her. But I. I had the one up, and I was like, I can't leave this with me on the one up because I'm the heel. She's the baby face. She's the big pop star. She needs to get something back on me, otherwise she looks like a dick. Yeah. So I said to Tom, the ref, I was like, tell her to slap me, and like. I kind of turned around and I'm like, whoa, 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 tell her to slap me. And then he walks off and he goes up to her and he goes, she says slap her, and you can just see her face, the, just the colour drain from her face. <laughs> she, she just looks at him and she goes, what? He's like, she says slap her. And like, you can see Tom going, like, yeah, yeah, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. And she's like, no, 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 no. So I go up to her and she just, she grabbed my hair and she like, ragged me around a little bit. But obviously, they're not used to just being like, slap me like, you know, you, you know <laughs> yeah. it's like, slap me. If you slap me really hard, I'm just going to be like, oh, fucking hell, that was a good one. Like, you know, you know like, we're not bothered about stuff like that. Um, but yeah, with the glow stuff, she's, she, was, she, was, uh, she was at Reading and basically at the start of a set, she wanted to do something with the wrestling. Um, it just made sense for it to be me. Um, and then Erin, um, which was really cool that Erin got to do it as well, um, because Erin is another person that's like, she's consistently wrestled for the last 16 years and is phenomenally good at what she does so it's nice for her to get involved in something like that so yeah 
<coughs> Dan rang me up and asked me to do it. And in my mind, I'm like, the first thing my mind goes to, if I can get them to get let me sing, I can say for the rest of my life that I've sang at Reading Festival. Oh, so, <laughs> so that was like, straight away, that was what was in my head. So I was like, ask him if I can sing. And he comes back, yeah, they said you can sing. I'm like, yes. What are you going to sing? I was like, I'm going to sing Foundations, obviously. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> so, yeah, so... Um, we got there, we literally, we told them to get mats because we knew that she was going to slam me. The mats were like literally the stiffest thing in the world. Like honestly, it, like, kill, it fucking killed me. She'd never slammed anybody before because in Glow they only obviously show you what they want you to do for the scene. So um, we were practising that backstage in her platform boots that were probably about 10 inches. I was like, I'm gonna, like this is this is like... This is scary shit, but we can do this slam. So, yeah, we go out there. Erin Angel is going to do a crossbody off a speaker onto me. Um, obviously, health and safety and all that shit. You shouldn't really do that. So we tried to keep it on the down low. But then one of the techs saw Erin climbing on the speaker. I was like, what are you doing up there? Are we going to jump off it? No, you're not. So then we had to, like, literally 10 minutes before the set started, scramble to find something that Erin can jump off. So I go out. I sing Foundations. Erin comes out, we do the whole campy thing where Erin comes out, crossbodies me, I get up. The worst thing that happened on, on, on the whole thing is I hit Erin with a mic and as Erin landed, she bumps just on instinct and, and hit a speaker and I thought she'd broke her hand. Oh so God. she's just done a crossbody off something and I've caught her on a stage with like no padding and she's nearly broke her hand just back. Oh, oh, <laughs> it's always something stupid, isn't it? And then we do the whole thing where I'm talking, talking shit, I walk backwards, oh, who's that behind me? We do that whole thing. Pick up, slam. Crap, yeah. 2,000 people. Yeah, so that was pretty 2, cool. 200,000 people, that's probably yeah. what it was. Yeah, so that, that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, so I can say I sang at Redden Festival. Um, and then literally two later, went on Lorraine. So it's like being a proper just celebrity. Bucket, just like, bucket stuff. Yeah, so, so yeah, that, that, that was really cool. And, and one thing I do want to mention that I did get to do was I got to wrestle Manami Toyota, which anybody who's never seen her wrestle hands down top five best wrestlers of all time male female she's she's wrestlers she's one of the best like i remember when i first started training and the only thing you had to really watch was was the divas and whatnot um somebody said to me have you ever you ever you ever watched manami toyota and they gave me a tape and i just remember being in awe like her selling like the way she sold the way everything was just like uh, epic epic yeah. yeah And I, I remember when Dan, Dan said about coming over and he p- puts in a, a, a... It was me and Ria versus her and, and Emmy. I just wanted to take all of her moves. Um, and I, I wanted her to do the ocean cyclone on me. Yeah. And she was like, oh, no, no, bad shoulder, bad shoulder. And I was like, fuck. But it makes me laugh. Like, that, that mentality of that generation of wrestler and that culture in Japan. She was like, no, I can't do an ocean cyclone because I've got a bad shoulder. Do you know what the first cut-off was? Ocean cyclone. No, it was me germining her off the top rope. That was her suggestion. <laughs> She's like, no, no, my shoulder. But jumping me off the top row. Obviously, she was like, no, bad shoulder. I might hurt you. Yeah. But, but I'm going to still fuck I'm, myself yeah, up even more you. by, yeah. yeah, to, to, yeah. Amazing. Crazy. But yeah, so, but I still took the drop kick through the ropes and I got moonsocked on and the rolly pin. Brilliant. Was, I was loving life. I was just do the greatest hits on me, do everything. Um, yeah, that was that was an experience. And actually, she didn't speak much English, but um, I got Emmy to translate that, you know, she was a big hero of mine. And, like, when I started wrestling, there was no female wrestlers, and she inspired me to, 
to try and you know we can, girls can wrestle and we can we can do the same things and she probably I don't know she looked like it it looked like it moved or either that she was like fucking Mark <laughs> <laughs> but no that it was really I never thought I'd ever get the chance to meet her and be on a show with her let alone, let alone yeah. wrestler so, so that was like a massive deal and I was a, I was a proper mark that whole day but everybody was everybody on the show was M- MVP was on that show and he was knocking on the door and was like is Manami in here and he was, he was like a little kid he wanted a picture with me at Manami and he said the same things he was like you big inspiration one of my favourite wrestlers so yeah that, that was pretty cool and that was her like she's, re- she's retired now isn't she mm-hmm. and our last show what she do uh, the whole retirement show was 50 matches she did 50 matches mental <laughs> mental how I usually like to uh, finish these up is if you were to go back and give your former self any advice or any anyone coming into wrestling now advice what would it be um, even more I think for, for, for me for my former self I, I don't think I'd <clears throat> I wouldn't want to mess with the butterfly effect <laughs> okay I'd just say nothing because I still think that although there are certain things I would change um, and there were things maybe I would have done differently that wouldn't have led me to where I am now. Okay. And I feel like I'm in quite a good place, so I, I wouldn't say anything to myself. Um, to anybody getting into wrestling, I would say the age-old is open, mouth closed. Um, also, I think the best piece of advice is a lot of people are going to tell you what you should and shouldn't do. Um, listen to everybody because everybody's had a different experience than you have um, so listen to what everybody has to say but pick and choose the advice that you follow still be your own person um, train, 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 train train with different people um, treat wrestling as you would treat any other job turn up on time be professional if you get given 10 minutes take 10 minutes if you don't take take minute, 10 minutes, take 8, don't take 12. Because that's what the promoters appreciate. Oh, and another piece of advice that somebody gave me. Uh, promoters don't watch shows, they listen. So if your match is the loudest match, you're probably going to get invited back. And if your ma- match, match is the quietest match, they'll want to know why. Yeah, and then they will watch it back. Where can they find you on the internet? Um, I, I only have an Instagram. I'm trying to keep the dream alive and not get a Twitter. <laughs> um, It'll so, suck you in. Uh, no. See, this is the thing. Like they, the, A few of the girls were saying at one of the shows last week, you're not on Twitter. And I was like, no, but I don't need to be because I know everything that's going on. It's like I've got 50 PAs. Like, I'll just get messages. Have you seen this? And I'll just get sent it anyway. So I, I, don't, need, I don't need it. Um, yeah, I'm on Instagram. Jetter underscore wrestle, I think it is. Um... And yeah, that's it. No, that's no, cool. no I'll make sure to tag media. you then on the Instagram story. But yeah, it's been an absolute uh, pleasure to sit down and find out and chat with you. And you too. Thank you very much. How good was that? What I say, like, I thought it was great that she she's able to keep chronologically everything in order. It always makes my job so much easier when people know where they were, what time they, it was, dates, months big moments makes my life so much easier sometimes I can just sometimes I I really have to sit down and I have to guide people through a conversation I don't mind that I quite like that it, it kind of I come away from those podcasts feeling like I really did work on it and I come away feeling quite proud and accomplished for being a part of that podcast and then episodes like this I just feel like I wasn't needed at all but I was kind of glad to put a recorder on and be somebody that she could talk at and hopefully gave you guys a well I say hopefully I definitely did give you guys a wonderful conversation 
with her. I also loved that we got to uh, chat about her retirement and she gave us that little story that she's never she's never told before. And when she was saying it, you could see that she was kind of letting her guard down a little bit. And some people have said to me recently, or, oh, you know, do you do podcasts over Skype or do you would you do a podcast with this person, that person? And I, I always say that I like to do them in person because it's a lot more friendly. Also, I also like to kind of build a rapport with people. And I feel I've known Jetta now for a couple of years. We've done a lot of traveling up and down back and forth Wales. And I feel that if it would be anyone else, uh, maybe a fan or someone doing the podcast, I don't think they would have got that story from Jetta about her getting as far as Germany and then her deciding not to go to Spain. And she said she never told that story to anyone before because she she kind of felt ashamed about it. But I was really glad that she kind of opened up and, and gave me that story. And uh, I really thank her for that. And I'm glad that she came back. I'm glad that, one, she got to uh, enjoy what is now the rise of British wrestling, uh, especially for women's wrestling in Britain, something that she definitely ra- she definitely laid the foundations for. So I feel that she definitely needs to be on Wrestle Queendom. And I'm glad that she's enjoying it now. And possibly there's more opportunities than ever. We say at the end, would she go there? And she said it'd have to be right. And, you know, she likes the fact that it's her escape, but she also said never say never. So I really love the fact that she left it on a cliffhanger, that she could, you know, show up anywhere at any time. But uh, it really was a wonderful conversation and uh, big thanks for coming on the show. Thanks, Jer. Really appreciate it. Of course, if you have enjoyed the show, please be sure to uh, tweet it out at Flash underscore Morgan on the Twitter, Facebook.com forward slash Flash Morgan Webster on the Facebook and at Flash Morgan Webster on the Instagram. I'll definitely be... Um, I'll definitely be putting it out on Twitter this on Instagram. Sorry, this week because Jess says at the end she only has an Instagram. So I want to make sure that uh, I uh, put a story up about the podcast this week and I'll tag her in it. So uh, definitely keep your eyes peeled for that and maybe give us some fine interaction on Instagram so she knows how much you enjoyed the episode. And maybe drop me an email if you want to advertise or book me for a seminar or just tell me how much you enjoyed the episode. That's flashmorganatlive.co.uk. I think that uh, sums up another episode. I think it does. Um, I'm outside my house uh, still. I'm busting for the toilet, so I think I might leave you with that that lovely sentiment. Uh, big thanks for Jetta for coming on the show. Wonderful, really it was. And again, I hope in about two years' time I get to sit down and chat with her and she can tell me some more wonderful stories. A big thanks to uh, Pins and Knuckles Merch. Again, keeping this podcast actually free, so if you need any merchandise wrestlers, go check out pinsandknucklesmerch.com. And if you're anyone, you know, a band or you going on a stag do or anything like that again pinsandknucklesmerch.com is the place to go so big thanks to them because they keep us free and uh, I guess all I have to say is big thanks to you guys for sitting down and uh, giving me an hour hour and a half of your life and hopefully you've made a commute to drive or anything else in between a little bit more bearable but uh, all I have to say is big thanks uh, it's always a pleasure always a treasure bye thanks for stopping by. later people 